be reading this morning from Romans chapter 8, starting at verse 18. It'll be up on the screen or you can turn your phones on or however you choose to do that. I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. For the creation waits in eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. For the creation was subjected to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the freedom and glory of the children of God. We know that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. Not only so, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption to sonship, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved, but hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what they already have? But if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And those he predestined, he also called. Those he called, he also justified. Those he justified, he also glorified. What then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? Good morning. My name's Stephen, one of the ministers here, and it's good to be back. My first time here at church in a month, and I think maybe my third time in three, in maybe two and a half months or something like that, because of COVID, of course. <laughs> and if you asked anyone in the world at the moment, you know, what they think is one of the biggest challenges that we're f- facing, surely they would at least consider answering COVID as one of the biggest challenges. And yet, I reckon for many of us here in in South Australia, COVID hasn't really been our biggest challenge. I only know two people who've had COVID. I wonder if you know anyone who's who's had COVID, but both those two people are, are fine now. And when I think of COVID and how it's affected me personally, I don't feel hopeless or desperate or a sense of of terror the overwhelming feeling I have when I think of COVID is frustration. You know, as many of you know, I've just finished two weeks of of quarantine. I'm I'm one of the most COVID pure people around because I haven't been near anyone except for kids and dog and chooks for the last two weeks. I only came out on Thursday. What happened was about um, a few weeks ago, you can see up there at 5am, I got up, I packed up the caravan in Robe, South Australia, and I started a drive to New South Wales, which Google told me would be 18 hours straight of, of driving if we drove it straight. 
and Kathy and I, Kathy, my wife, had been watching the COVID numbers in New South Wales on a daily basis, and it was looking okay. We weren't going anywhere near Sydney. It was looking fine. You know, there was five one day, three the next. We thought, yep, this is going to be fine. And we hadn't seen uh, Kathy's parents in a year, over a year, and her dad wasn't doing so well, uh, even having uh, a near-death kind of time in hospital at one point, we thought, we really need to get over there and see them. So we did the crazy trip. But can you believe it? Just a a few hours after we cross the New South Wales border, we tune in to hear the 11am COVID update, and we hear that they've got 18 cases in New South Wales. We thought, well, it's too late. We're tainted now. We've already reached New South Wales. We can't turn back. So we kept going. And then we tune in the next day as we're still driving to hear the, the update and we hear South Australia is closing the border in 12 hours. And we did a quick search on Google and realised it was going to take us 13 hours to get back to the border. Can you imagine how we felt? Four kids in the car. Hang on, let me just go back and you can see the expressions on their faces there. 13 hours of of driving already, frustration. Now, it was frustrating, but really, in the big scheme of things, I got absolutely nothing to complain about. You know, it was hard waiting those five days to get the permission border permit to get back into South Australia, and it was annoying spending those 14 days quarantined, even though the border to New South Wales was reopened. But again, that's nothing compared to the real challenges that COVID has been for so many in our world. I haven't lost any loved ones. I haven't lost my job. I I don't actually know anyone who's lost everything because of COVID. And for many people in South Australia, maybe for you as well, I imagine we're in the same boat. We're so fortunate. We're frustrated by COVID, see it all the time, but probably not too many of us are devastated. But then think about it on a global scale, and it's just so different, isn't it? When you... Did you see those morgues in New York set up, the temporary morgues on the street? You know, that's not just frustrating. Or hospitals overrun in, in many countries. Where you, you see those videos of, of doctors in tears while they've got patients in corridors, their corridors unable to breathe and them unable to do anything about it. It's not frustrating, it's heartbreaking. And even closer to home, it, it's been much more than just frustrating for some of us. It's heartbreaking for those who are losing their businesses that they've they've poured their heart and souls into. You know, it's devastating for those families who are separated for months on end, dads or mums not able to see their kids because they're in different countries. And for me, as I read the news, one of the saddest things I keep finding is, is when people aren't able to say goodbye to their loved ones or even attend their funeral. Like, did you read about that Queensland couple these guys. They were quarantining when his brother died and then half an hour before they finished their 14 days, they were told, sorry, you're going to have to spend another 14 days quarantining because of the UK strain had been in their, their hotel and so they were going to miss his brother's funeral as well. That's heartbreaking. COVID really is a big challenge for our world. And so our question today is, where is God in all this? Where is God in COVID? 
you know, this is a huge disaster, a huge disaster now, but also one that's going to be with us, affecting us, maybe just economically or in other ways for years to come. Where is God in all this heartbreak? It's a really good question. And it's actually, it's a tricky question, isn't it? Because so much of the mess of this world, we can directly see where it comes from. We can easily blame it on humans. So much of the selfishness and greed and racism and things like that. But we can't really blame coronavirus on humans. You know, people try. People even call it the Chinese virus and things like that. And certainly people can make the situation worse by selfishness, breaking quarantine, lying, even stockpiling toilet paper, things we've seen. But even if humans handled coronavirus with perfect morality, even still there's a problem here, isn't there? And the question would still be there, where is God in this? Has God done this? Has God allowed this? Why? And it's not just coronavirus that raises hard questions like this. It's all the the natural disasters and diseases that we see in the world that we can't directly blame on humans. Things like earthquakes or tsunamis or SARS, MERS, swine flu, bird flu, HIV, smallpox. Things like Spanish flu or polio or the Black Plague even. You know, COVID really is just the current challenge in a long list of things that have been plaguing our world for a long time and will probably go on plaguing our world. In a way, COVID, it's it's not something unusual. It's it's actually, in the the big scheme of things, it's pretty, pretty much typical of our world. And so this is actually a question that's been with us for a long time too. And it's just as relevant today as it's ever been. Where is God in the pain of this world? all the pain that humans can't be blamed for, is God actually to blame? Now, this is an ancient question that philosophers have been wrestling with for for millennia, like Epicurus in the 3rd century BC, who asked the question something like this. He asked, if God is willing to prevent evil, evil like COVID, is it that he's willing but not able? So is he weak? Or is it that God is able to prevent evil, like COVID, but not willing? So is it that God is actually not good? Or is he both able to prevent evil and willing? But if that's the case, then why do we have things like COVID? Now, this, again, is a great question. This is exactly the issue And from this, some people conclude, since things like COVID exist, then therefore God must not exist. For some people, that's kind of like a logical, cold, hard conclusion they come to in their minds. For others, it's from the personal pain and experience of their lives that they come to this conclusion. But one of the problems with concluding that God doesn't exist, that God isn't there because suffering is there is that suffering ceases to be something we can even call a problem in that case. COVID and and all the mess that we see in in our world, it's not a problem in that case. 
It's not a bad thing, a terrible thing. It's just a part of life. In fact, if you remove God from the picture, you remove all basis from which you can call something right or wrong. And this is essentially what the atheist Richard Dawkins does. Even though he can't live consistently with, with this view that he claims to believe, because no one ever could, he writes, in a universe of electrons and selfish genes, blind physical forces and genetic replication, some people are going to get hurt, other people are going to get lucky, and you won't find any rhyme or reason in it, nor any justice. The universe that we observe has precisely the properties we should expect if there is at bottom no design, no purpose, no evil, no good, nothing but blind, pitiless indifference. In other words, there's no rational reason to find COVID a problem or earthquakes or racism or people who abuse other people. There's no solid basis for thinking some things are right and some things are wrong because really there is no such thing as right or wrong. Now, don't hear me wrong in this. I'm not saying that therefore atheists are immoral people. Not at all. I can confidently tell you that, that some atheists are more moral than some religious people. What I'm saying is, is that if atheists are right, then what they're really saying is that there's no such thing as a moral person, no such thing as an immoral person. What they're saying is that no one has ever done anything wrong to you. No one could ever do anything wrong to you. No one could ever do anything wrong to your children because there's no design, no purpose, no evil, no good, nothing but blind, pitiless indifference. Now that kind of answer to COVID, it's completely unworkable. Very few people can live consistently with that point of view. Most atheists, they just can't live that way. In fact, all but a few psychopaths can live as if there is no right or no wrong. But this is our choice. We either say, what are you doing, God? Because there's just so much that feels wrong with this world. Or we say, there's no such thing as right or wrong. It's just an illusion. And so in the end, I can have no solid basis for having a problem with what I see in this world. But the truth is that COVID is, is not just a result of natural forces. It's not just a, a challenge that we're facing. It really is a problem. And the death and the loss and the hardship, it's not just a matter of random indifference. It's a tragedy. It's not right. We sense that it shows that something is wrong in our world because something is wrong. So let's come back to our question so if God really is there, where is he in all this mess? Now, at this point, some people want to conclude that God's there, he's, he's watching, he's worrying, but he's unable to help. But you'll never find that answer anywhere in the Bible, nowhere at all. Because a God who is powerless logically just is no God at all. 
And so other people want to conclude that God is there. God is sending things like COVID as a, as a direct punishment to the world for some particular wrong. But you know, this, that doesn't fit the Bible, the way the Bible talks about these sorts of things either. And in fact, there's a whole book in the Bible, the book of Job, that's all about how you can't make a, a direct link between suffering and someone deserving it. You know, that's the idea you'll find in other religions, like in karma. But the Bible just doesn't teach karma. It doesn't teach that people get in this life what they deserve. In fact, it actually teaches the opposite. Usually, people get in this life what they don't deserve. Now, Jesus himself taught this. He said, you can't look at what happens to someone and and conclude that it's directly because of what they've done. When he was on earth, a tower collapsed and killed 18 people. It was a kind of natural disaster. And Jesus said to the people then that they shouldn't try to link things like that with God directly punishing people. But at the same time, in in the very next breath, Jesus says things like that tower collapsing, things like natural disasters, things like COVID, they still say something to us. They say something to all of us. Have a look where Jesus talked about this in, in the Gospel of Luke, an account of Jesus' life in chapter 13. Jesus says, those 18 who died when the tower in Siloam fell on them, do you think they were more guilty than all the others living in Jerusalem? I tell you, no. But then listen to this. But unless you repent, you too will all perish. Do you see that? We we shouldn't think that natural disasters in the world are the direct result of, of something anyone has done. But Jesus says we should see them as a sign that something is wrong with our world. And more than that, Jesus says that we should see them as a sign that something is wrong with our world because of every one of us, all of us. Now this is where we start to see the answer as to where God is in COVID and in every natural disaster in this world. God is breaking through to us to see that we live in a broken world, He's breaking through to us to see that we live in a broken world because we have a broken relationship with Him. Let me show you how we see this difficult idea from one part of the Bible. And stick with me as as I um, walk us through this. In a letter that's written soon after Jesus to Christians in Rome, in Italy, the Apostle Paul, he says what we just had read before by Darren, he says... I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. For the creation waits in eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. And what he's doing here is he's saying that life in this world is not the goal. Can you see that? Life now is not the end point. Creation, it's waiting for a far, far greater goal. And he's saying that any suffering that we experience now, any pain, any mess, no matter how great, it pales into insignificance compared to what's to come. Now, Paul here, he's not making light of our suffering and our pain that we're experiencing right now. Not at all. But he's saying it's worth it. It's worth it for what's to come, which can feel pretty hard to stomach, But if you've ever been with someone in labour, then I I reckon you you probably get the idea of what he's saying here. 
You know, during labour, it's, it's like the world is ending. I, I don't know if you've been through it. I had a friend who used to say, oh, I just love childbirth. It's, it's such a miracle. I was like, what is wrong with you, man? Because I hated childbirth. Now, I know I'm not allowed to complain, right? It wasn't like I was doing anything at all during childbirth, nothing useful anyway. I was doing quite a lot of panicking. But from what I can see during childbirth, the pain was all-consuming. The suffering in that time was, was absolutely dominating. But from that moment, 14 years ago yesterday, for Kathy, my wife, from that moment when she held the baby, the goal was reached, I had no doubt at, at that time that she thought it was worth it. I had no doubt that, that the pain experienced through all those hours felt like forever, that it couldn't compare to, to the joy of, of the lifetime that that baby had ahead of, of, of them. The pain led to that goal, so it was worth it. Paul's point here is that, that we're, what we're experiencing now, in life now, it was never meant to be the goal, the end point. And no matter how painful it is for you, no matter how painful it could get for you, still it, it can't compare to the goal that God has in mind for you. And here's where it gets tricky, this next part of the passage. Because Paul, and, and the whole Bible in fact, he goes on to say that the pain of this world is actually in, in a very real sense, in one very real sense, from God's hand. Look at verse 20. He writes, for the creation was subjected to frustration. Now this is frustration, not like my frustration with COVID, but frustration in the sense that creation is being held back from easily reaching its goal. And we read where this holding back, this blockage comes from. Subjected to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it. Now, this is talking about God. God is, is the one who has blocked his world from easily reaching its goal. Now, to begin with, when God made the world, humans in the world just worked. There was no COVID. There were viruses. Apparently, even today, 99% of viruses don't cause a problem to their host and are actually necessary for life. And there were probably even things like earthquakes. And again, apparently, plate tectonics are necessary for life, recycling chemicals and balancing carbon dioxide and things like that. There were those things. But when God made the world, there weren't viruses causing disease or earthquakes causing destructions to humans. But human rejection of God led him to frustrate creation from reaching its goal. Not to be vindictive, like we might be. We read why in verse 21. God does it in hope that the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the freedom and glory of the children of God. God does it to liberate us. We tend to think of rejecting God as freedom, right? But in actual fact, our rejection of God is really us binding ourselves to decay, a bondage that not only affects ourselves but affects other people 
affects even our creation, our world. But God, he refuses to leave us to happily live out that bondage to death. He frustrates our steps. He frustrates even creation. He makes it impossible for us to pretend that life is found in the moment right now. He's changed things so that life now is wave after wave of of wake-up calls that there's a real problem. Do you see what God is doing? This world is broken because our rejection of God has broken it. But if God were to shield us completely from the brokenness of this world, we would never wake up. We would never suspect that there's a problem. We'd never ask the question, where is God in all of this? In fact, we'd never even ask the question, where is God? Allowing us to experience a taste of the brokenness of our world that we've brought into God's world is the only way that God can break through to us. On our 18-hour drive back from Foster, New South Wales, it was actually 21 hours door to door, straight on the way back. Anyway, on the way back, we, um, we had plenty of time, as you can imagine. So we listened to an audio book on um, Raoul Dahl's life, a, a book called Going Solo. Raoul Dahl was a, um, a pilot in the RAF in World War II, and um, at one point, he crashed his plane in the desert in Africa, and he, he fractured his skull. Uh, it was nighttime, that's why he had to land, and both engines burst into flames. And he was sitting there in the cockpit, going in and out of consciousness. And he said what he really wanted to do was just sleep. He just wanted to go to sleep. But of course, if he did sleep, it meant certain death. He was in a plane that was on fire. He was behind enemy lines. But something kept kept him from falling into unconsciousness. It was the intense heat of the flames. Wave after wave of heat kept hitting him, he said, stopping him from sleeping. And it was so unbearable that it drove him to crawl bit by bit away from the plane until he could get to somewhere that was safe. Here's my point. It was the pain of those flames that saved his life. And without the the pain of those flames, he would have been just lulled off to sleep where he sat unaware of the real problem that was going on right around him that he was facing. Now, it's a difficult concept for us to grasp, and it's even harder for us to swallow. But the truth is that God allows us to experience the mess of this broken world for a much greater purpose. Life in this world is wave after wave of reminders that something's wrong to wake us up. You know, think about it. If you could stop a smoker, if you knew a smoker was going to get lung cancer, absolutely. And if you knew that you could stop them from getting it by sending a couple of bouts of pneumonia their way, would you do it? Now look at the whole world right now. Consider your life. You know, there will never be a time in this life where waves don't come rolling in. We get moments between them but the waves will be back because that's the way this world works now. It's broken. And when a wave hits us and we think, this is not the way that things should be, this is wrong, we're right. That's exactly the message that God wants to break through to us. 
It's why he allows there to be waves in this world, things like COVID. It's because he's got something far, far better planned. Something we would miss if he didn't break through to us. C.S. Lewis, an atheist turned Christian, he put it like this. We can ignore even pleasure, but pain insists on being attended to. God whispers to us in our pleasures, speaks in our conscience, but shouts in our pains. It is his megaphone to rouse a deaf world. Now we can hear that, hear this whole kind of truth and think of God as heartless and cold trying to break through us, but that's not true. It's not true at all. No one feels our pain more than God. And God is not cold and and distant and heartless from this world. In fact, this, this is what Christianity is all about. The central message of Christianity is that God himself enters our world, enters our suffering. He doesn't see it high and mighty and and immune from it all. In Jesus, God becomes one of us, experiences the pain and, and the mess of this world firsthand and suffers and dies in our place for the mess that we've made of his world. And he does it all to make a way that this world can escape from its bondage to decay. That's the central message of Christianity. God is not cold or distant. He is close, closer than we will ever be to the suffering and mess of this world. Now, we've been asking, where is God in COVID? But I reckon there's an even more helpful way to frame this question. The real question is, can you trust God with COVID and the, the pain, all the pain that we see in this world and the pain of your own life? Can you trust God with that? And the answer is, you absolutely can You can trust God because Jesus' death was out of love for you. And you can trust God because Jesus coming back to life shows you the solution. It shows you what God has got planned for us. It shows us that life is not found, you know, trying to grasp it quickly between the waves of pain that we'll experience in this life. Waves of COVID or cancer or sadness, loneliness, letdown. Life is found in knowing God forever. Life is found in God's goal for you, living in a world that's liberated from all these things. If you were a part of that world, a world where joy never ended, where our environment wasn't suffering, where people did show love and respect, where there was no sadness or death or or suffering at all, where you knew God and, and would know Him forever, if it took waves of suffering for you to want what God wants for you, would you consider it worth it? Well, the thing is, whether you do or not, God does. He doesn't like us suffering. And the heartbreak of this world breaks his heart more than ours even. But if it wakes us up so that we're not lost to him for all eternity, then yes, he considers it worth it. It's worth it if it causes us to turn to God. Have you ever done that? Have you ever turned back to God? Admitted to Him that that you've rejected Him in your life? Have you ever made that clear, conscious, public decision that you're going to turn to Him? Why not do it today? Or at least 
why not keep exploring who Jesus is and what he has planned for this world? That's what the, the life series is all about that we're going to be doing in a few weeks that you'll hear a bit about later on. It's all about seeing who Jesus is. What, why don't you come along to the first one, just the first one, and, and see if it's something you want to keep going back to? Or at least today, why not talk to the person who brought you along to the, about these sorts of things or come and chat with me afterwards? We're going to stand and sing in just a moment as the band comes up. We can't always know the, the details of, of why God governs his world like he does. We can't always know or understand what he's doing in our lives. But because of Jesus, because he, he died for us, because he lives and rules this world for us right now, we can know that God is on our side.